0: I'm Lloyd Freeman, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. In recent years, we've seen the increased use of the term Latinx to denote people of Hispanic origin, but what is it and where did it come from? Whatever happened to Hispanic? What happened to Latino? Are these terms interchangeable? We really need to break this down. And so to help our listeners understand the differences in these terms and how well received they are, I am so glad to welcome my friend, Melinda Cologne Cox, The show. She's an attorney and she's a past president and current board member of the Hispanic Bar Association of New Jersey. Melinda, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Lloyd. I'm so grateful to be here. I am so excited to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. And you know, I truly applaud you for creating this podcast on diversity and for spreading awareness. So I just I I am very thankful to be here.
0: Thank you. This is a topic we need to discuss because I feel like we've been dancing around this for a while. And I feel like people are thinking that we're using the PC terms, but are we even using the correct term? And I think that's where we need to be. So I felt like um, there was an article that I read in the Huffington Post that really could frame up uh, the beginning of our discussion today. It was from uh, just in September 2021. And I think it's it's really going to be able to give us a great opening. So it was an op-ed from a chef and she was not a fan of the term Latinx. And so let me read directly from the article. It says, quote, There are 21 Latin countries. Diversity is part of us. No two countries share the same food. I have Mexican friends, Peruvian friends. We're from different cultures, different histories, different circumstances that pushed us out of our countries. We didn't immigrate here as a block. And we love being different. We celebrate being different. Making everybody the same to embrace diversity is ridiculous. That's why it's not happening naturally why do we have to speak the same language or be the same size? And I'm going to add my own or identify by the same word. It doesn't make sense. We need equal rights, but let's celebrate our diversity. So there we are, Melinda. So let's start by just going to the beginning and defining these terms so that as we continue in the conversation, we know what we're talking about. So help me out and talk to me about the progression from Hispanic, Latino, and Latinx, where they come from, what do they mean?
1: Absolutely. So before I start, I do just want to say that um, obviously any statements I make today are of my own, um, and they don't necessarily represent those of my friend Parker and Berg. but of course Parker and Berg is equally uh, devoted and committed to diversity and inclusion, but I just want to put that disclaimer out there. This is a loaded question. There is a lot of history and a lot of background that leads up to that article, some who agree with it and some who don't, but it's understandable as to why some folks are confused with what the meanings are and many people use them interchangeably and frankly incorrect. In the traditional sense, the term Hispanic refers truly to someone that speaks Spanish or that identifies as coming from um, a Spanish speaking country while Latino, on the other hand, refers more to geography and people who come from or identify as being part of Latin American countries. That include Central America, South America, and the Caribbean. Uh, So the terms don't refer to a person's race, and both Hispanic and Latinos can consider themselves white, black, indigenous, or the like. And that's when you start hearing the terms Afro Latinos or Afro-Caribbeans and Boricua like me and the like. This certainly can be confusing. And then To even add more confusion, um, a person may be both Latino and Hispanic, but some Hispanics won't identify as Latinx. For example, Brazil is a Latin American country, but they speak Portuguese. So Mm -hmm. they wouldn't consider themselves Hispanic, but they do identify as Latino. Similarly, someone from Spain is Hispanic because they're in a Spanish-speaking country, but they wouldn't identify as Latino or Latinx.
0: Okay but Latinx, where did that come from? So you told me about people who identify as Hispanic. You told me about people who identify as Latino, but where did Latinx come from?
1: Sure. So Latinx is more of a new term that's up and coming. It's really is just a gender neutral way to refer to someone from a Latin American country. So traditionally, you know, when we use the term Latino, I would say Latina because the A represents a feminine version of that, while a male may would use Latino. So Latinx is now the the form that people are using to say, no, let's be a little bit more inclusive here. Let's not focus so much on you know gender construction and, and make it more neutral.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know you said it's a new term. Uh, and there was a 2020 report by the Pew Research Center. And so this uh, study found that one in four US Hispanics have heard of the term Latinx, but just 3% actually use the term. I'm going to state that in the inverse. 97% of the people who are supposed to, I guess, be lumped into this term, reject this term. But I do see it used very frequently by organizations and absolutely by the media. Is this just a shortcut? Uh, You know, what's the disconnect? And, you know, because it seems as if the the word you used was this is a way to be kind of inclusive, but it seems as if it's kind of de facto taking away everyone's individuality and the uniqueness of all those different cultures you just described.
1: You know, (laughs) That's such a good question, and and I'm not sure there's a great answer. I agree there's absolutely a split in the usage of the term Latinx, and when I was president of the Hispanic Bar Association of New Jersey, I remember struggling because I was just so traditionally used to using Latino or Latina, and um, it was an adjustment. But more than anything, I think some people haven't heard the term often Latinx, um, especially the older generations, and perhaps they don't understand the concept or purpose of behind the chains or just have always used the term Latino or Latina so um, find it difficult to make that switch. Like I said, the, the Spanish language often uses the letter O and the letter A at the ends of nouns or adjectives to just describe the gender of the speaker. So really by changing Latino to Latinx, it, it can be confusing because you were taught all your life as a Spanish speaker that, that this is the natural progression to do it. So I think Some of it is not intentional, it's just more of a shift in how we think and it's gonna just take time. Um, I think you probably would agree that a lot of the younger generations are finding it more easy to use the term Latinx because it's become more popular and it's become the standard norm here. Um, I don't think that those who use the term Latino or Latina are intending to be exclusive in any way, but rather it's just, it really is a resistance to change. you know, just how some people, especially the older generations, sometimes struggle with what pronouns to use for someone, for the LGBTQ plus community. I'm not saying it's okay, and it's not, it's right, it's just, it's going to take time, and it's going to take practice, and that's why, you know, podcasts like these are so important because we just have to educate people.
0: And that's where I was going to go because, you know, intersectionality is absolutely uh, an area where we have to make sure that we shine a light on this, right? And so there are individuals who belong uh, in this, you know, Hispanic community or, or whether it be a Latino, Latina community, and it intersects with the LGBT community. And so maybe this is for, you know, my d practitioners out there and people who are not wanting to affix the wrong pronoun uh, or the wrong gender to an individual. And so without that individual saying that, you know, I identify by he, him, his, let me just put the X here because it's really my way of talking about the gender of the individual, not to scrub you from however your race or ethnicity or culture is. Have you heard that before that theory or is that just kind of Lloyd making up his own theory? Oh,
1: absolutely. And I I think that's spot on. I mean, like I will still identify as a Latina because I identify with she, her and hers. Um, And so to me, it's a natural progression. But when I'm talking about the community at large, I say Latinx because of the fact that I'm trying to respect the junior neutralness of wh- whoever identifies that as that. The Hispanics and Latinos in our cultures and communities, uh, we're extremely proud. And so a lot of times I'll say I'm Puerto Rican, I'm Boricua, you know, and it, I don't necessarily even say just Latinas. To the chef's point in the article that you read earlier, it's really a personal choice when you're self-identifying. But when you're talking as a community at large, and that's why you hear the the media and organizations saying Latinx, it's it's out of respect.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's important. That's an important distinction. You mentioned it in your your opening that it is uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Tell me a bit about Hispanic Heritage Month. What does it mean to you? What does it mean for your community? Understanding, you know, the uniqueness and all those that, what did I say, 21 different countries that are represented there. So how do you celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month with so much that's included in there?
1: There's so much included in there. I I will say it's obviously very near and dear to my heart. I am a proud Hispanic and a proud Latina. I love that during this month, we celebrate our independence as well as our like bright and colorful history and that the communities all come together and we collectively celebrate our pride and our love for our heritage. And it's actually a very beautiful way that all these different cultures come together because we have that one thing in common where we do identify as Hispanic or Latino and, um, or Latinx. And it's a chance to acknowledge all the important things our heritage and our communities have done to impact the nation and the United States. And it's one of the fastest growing minority populations in the U.S. I think it I think it counts for something like 18 to 19% of the current population. Wow. So we, we just have a lot of great history. And there's so many Hispanics and Latinxes who have positively influenced society. So it's a time to celebrate.
0: Well, I I also know that because, of course, I practiced law for a number of years, as you know, uh, and was also leader of an affinity bar association, we still need better representation. Uh, And so, you know, if we're going to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month, we also should talk about, of course, the areas where we need to continue to put some emphasis behind getting individuals to Uh, be better represented. And particularly I'm talking about in the legal profession, but I know that you're a current board member. I know you're a past president for Hispanic Bar Association of New Jersey. Talk to me a bit about maybe some of the things that you did in the past and some of the things that are ongoing that you've taken part in that have helped to increase the number of Latin attorneys, Latina attorneys in the state of New Jersey across the industry.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, for me, it is so very important to pay it forward. And to open doors up for up and coming Latinx attorneys um, and minority attorneys in general in the legal profession or otherwise. And I can honestly wholeheartedly say that before my Latinx mentors and generally all my mentors that I had growing up, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, so I can't express enough how important it is to help you know develop programs and initiatives that are opening doors and that are increasing our representation in the legal profession. because. While we're doing better than we have in the past, we're still not doing great, you know? Um, people sometimes refer to me as a unicorn because I'm a partner at a law firm and now on the executive committee. And yes. there's, not en- <laughs> there's not enough of us though, right? And, right? and that goes for all minorities. And so how do we increase that in our profession? What do we do? And um, in the Hispanic Bar Association, for instance, something that we take pride in is mentoring our youth. And so. We have a mentorship program for our high school students as well as law school students. And we're matching up Latinx students with um, some of our lawyer mentors and board members and just general members who participate um, to make sure that they have someone to look up to, to make some make sure they have someone that they can ask questions to, they can get advice from on their careers, whether it's a legal profession or otherwise, um, learning how to network, making sure your resume is pure perfection. There's no typos. There's no formatting issues. Um, things that you, you know, I think people take for granted sometimes. You know, if you grow up in one of these communities, you may be the first in your family to go to school, to, to graduate from high school, let alone graduate from college or post-collegiate you know, programs such as law school or juris doctorate. Right? So that's in in itself an accomplishment. And so Sometimes these students really need someone who they can kind of bounce ideas off of, get some guidance, get some advice. So I really think it's such an important and critical part of making sure that we're helping those, you know, up and coming attorneys.
0: Uh, There are always going to be hurdles uh, to attaining that JD, like you talked about before. And so there are some that despite your best efforts as being a fantastic president or the Hispanic Bar Association's advocacy, we can't get rid of, you know, the biases in some of these admissions processes or standardized testing. It is what it is. And that's a much larger battle for us. But there are some hurdles that can be taken away. And Hispanic Bar Association, I have to give you your props on the show, has taken them away. And that is, of course, the cost of paying to get your education. And the Hispanic Bar Association, absolutely, this is my opinion and reflects the opinion of Lloyd Freeman and everyone who who (laughs) follows this show. The Hispanic Bar Association is such an amazing fundraising machine and gives out uh, uh, quite an, a, a laudable amount of money. Talk about the foundation that you all set up really briefly before we conclude.
1: Thank you, Lloyd. That's, that's very kind of you. And and it's something that I, I really personally take pride in. The Hispanic Bar Association has two different things. Every year at our annual gala, we do grant law student Scholarships, and also we grant some high school scholarships, and they range anywhere from fifteen hundred all the way up to six thousand per scholarship. What's so amazing is that you have these incredible law firms throughout the state, and not just law firms. We also have corporate sponsors who come out and they believe in the legal profession, and they believe in our students, and so they um, sponsor the Hispanic Bar Association. For the past few years, we've granted a minimum of $100,000 that we've raised in scholarships that go out to these students. And so they can range from 10 students to 15 students, depending on the year. But what's even more special is that during Julia Lopez's presidency, two years ago, she was the president before me, we also established our first endowment. So we currently have, I believe, $150,000 or so in that endowment and hope that it will start... Being self sufficient so that we can continue to even grow the scholars more. Because you're right, like a lot of people in our community or who look like us, they don't have the funds and they need that help. And if we can help them get there, it, it's on us to help.
0: Uh, I'm so proud of you for that. That is remarkable, remarkable. Thank you. Hats off to you and all of your colleagues. Melinda, call me a textualist, but I I truly believe in the literal interpretation of the term self-identify. Your identity belongs to you. It could be Latina, it can be Boricua, it can be Puerto Rican, it can whatever it is. The media can't create it. And you can't be forced to check some box that is not you. And I hope that this episode of the podcast proves to be informative to those who've never been in this situation and that it instills a greater sense of pride for those who have been grouped into an identity, yet have a rich heritage they'd much rather celebrate. Melinda, this episode truly has shown us that there are dimensions of diversity. And thank you for breaking it down for us.
1: Thank you so much, Lloyd. This was so much fun. And again, happy Hispanic Heritage Month to everyone.